You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and with me, I've got Drake and Philly G. Philly G is our uh, resident Notre Dame writer from One Foot Down, the uh, SB Nation outlet for them. You may be wondering, Max, why didn't you do a pre-recorded intro and then say, without further ado, let's go to Drake, myself, and Phil? Well, that's because Phil's been here three times now. So, you know, once you've been here three times, it's like when your your friend's mom at the sleepover is like, you're family now. Then you realize, like, that means she's going to hit you when you say something bad. We're kind of in that mode right now. Just the hits haven't happened. But Phil, man, how you doing? We're stoked to have you here. I am glad to be back on here with you guys. I'm, I'm excited that, you know, spring football happened and it looks like football is gearing up to go full force in the fall. So, no, couldn't be happier. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, we are we are stoked. Obviously, Phil is here to celebrate. Well, he's not going to celebrate, but he's going to break down the transfer of Dylan Gibbons with us. Uh, if you haven't seen it on Twitter yet, Florida State did it, folks. We got the future. We got the one answer we've been waiting for. The crown in our jewel, an offensive right guard, six foot four, 309 pounds. And yes, we're pretty sure he can actually block, unlike some of the other 300 pounders we've got sitting in the locker room. But before we get to him, Drake... How you doing tonight, buddy? I like the Star Wars. Ah, thanks, my guy. Thanks, my guy. I wasn't able to celebrate May 4th properly with y'all, but hey, how do you know? A little week late, but no, I'm good. Just, you know, make getting ready for the move back down to sunny, sunny Florida. So basically just been running around all day, but it feels good. It feels good to see Philly. G, I haven't seen him in a hot minute. He's been hitting me up with all the nerdy tweets and everything about fitting as a movie. So it's great to see you, my guy. Yeah, man. Everyone's coming back to Florida. It's, uh, you know, it's where old people go to die and young people go to thrive. So, uh, you know, whichever age bracket you feel like you fall into, the one we'll let you be in in that statement. But like I said, Phil is, uh, is family now, so he's allowed to get hit. And our version of that is making him sit through one segment he really doesn't care about before we let him talk about his guy. Because the first thing that's on my mind, and I like, I got to get it out. You know, I saw today they release odds for the uh, the ACC champions, the betting odds. I, I they forgot Notre Dame on there. I don't know what happened because could have sworn <laughs> they played in the game last year. But uh, yeah, Notre Dame left us on red when they were here for one and done. So hey, it happens. It's like they used us to go on formal, and then we get we get back to campus after a weekend of us paying for everything. And it's like, hey, want to hang out Friday? And then, oh, nope. Oh, that sounds way too yeah. personal for you, my guy. They, hey, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! All right, yeah, they, we're uh, we uh, we love the single life, and I think we uh, we flirted. We thought we were going to be a relationship guy for a little bit. We got in, we we're hot and heavy. We posted a couple Instagrams with some hearts on it, and then you know we panicked. Um, yeah. And so back back to our life, back to our single life as we've been for the past hundred plus, however many years. Well, now it's just it's it's even weirder, right? Because it's not full single life. It's like it's like just strictly cuddling, right? Like other sports, you're like we're we're good. We're good. But you know, when it comes down to football, you're like, I got this NBC guy really just big time. He big handles time that for big me. Time commitment issues there. Worst yeah. part is that we're either gonna, you're going to send us a U up text in about two to three years. We need it has to come back in again. So, but yeah. <laughs> and I think well, honestly, you got, you guys are going to open those arms wide and let us right back in. I Absolutely. know it was going to Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think that I would love to have Notre Dame in our conference because I, I mean, dude, Look, love them or hate them, 
it's a it's a great football school. It's a long-standing tradition. Like y'all have incredible atmosphere. You have a huge fan base that's widely dispersed across the country, much like the Irish for who you are named, you know, after the diaspora, they're all over the nation. It would be a great school to have. Like I frankly, after last year, I if I were the ACC commissioner, I'd be working really hard to try to say, look, who are the four games? You know, is it USC? Is it Stanford? Who do you have to have? And how can we work things out? Y'all literally are one team with no conference and you're bringing in that kind of money from NBC. Like I'm all about the money. Like we're, we're getting crushed in TV revenue. Let's figure something out here. They would be so uh, helpful with that. Oh yeah. Did you happen to uh, catch the uh, year in the ACC feature? No. Oh no, I refuse to watch that specifically. You are literally in the conference for one year and then literally just the ACC. I think there's they're trying a, to like a well-produced full hour plus long documentary about Notre Dame's year in the ACC. And I, I watched I watched it this past weekend. Very well done. It had uh of course it you know, was. there was yeah, there were some big names and they got Chris Fowler in it there. It couldn't have happened in like two that like COVID couldn't have come in like 2017. It had to come when you guys were like really good again. Yeah. Of course. Of just, course and, and, and also also like takes the hottest girl and then dumps her right after. It's like we took Clemson, dated her for a little bit after you know Max had been wanting to date her his entire life and then just dropped her right in your face. Yeah. I mean I'm not surprised they did that because I, I think Max is correct. And I think it was, was it Jim Phillips is its ACC commissioner. Now he's trying his best to bring Notre Dame in because that, that NBC money is literally just golden. Max is right. Literally have fans every single which way. I remember Boca Raton, the city next to where I'm from, is literally just littered with Notre Dame alumni, especially down there. And, I mean, it's a recognizable brand. But just like, you know, the one thing, I, like you said, with the, the ACC documentary, I was like, oh, that's really nice to give the people that literally are here for just a one and done. That's well, I don't want to be a dick to our neighbors down in South Florida. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I do. Um, hey. But like the coastal needs, no, no, not, not the people that talk about the university of Coral Gables. Oh, okay. The coastal well, needs a great team. Like UNC is, they're going through a great phase right now. Virginia tech is up sometimes, but they really haven't meant much. And, you know, for the past 20 years, they've had like three of those where they've mattered. Uh, I guess. Oh, seven. When we upset them in the conference championship, 11 they went to the orange bowl i i can't remember any other year so like notre dame would be that marquee team of the coastal division right so you'd have us and clemson battling on the left you nor uh notre dame unc kind of miami like battling it out on the right and I, I just think it would it would really balance the conference but i also understand why you guys have your commitment issues and all that <laughs> oh man but let's let's uh let's talk about something great for 30 seconds and let's all bask in glory because Phil, you shared this tweet that said the top 10 games that will shape the playoff race. And I noticed one of them. I didn't notice number seven. And now I'm realizing that both Florida and Miami have to play Alabama next year, which means that's at least two Saturdays next year that daddy gets to be happy. And I'm going to hold on to that, that little ray of sunshine in my heart for just a, just a little bit tonight. Ignore the fact that Florida State doesn't appear anywhere in this picture. And, and that's right. And, and I think I think going back to uh, the independence thing, it's like four out of the top 10 games in the year that are going to decide, you know, decide the playoffs. I put air quotes up. I realize people can't see air quotes, but decide the playoffs. It's like Notre Dame has an independent schedule and is in four out of the top 10 games. So it's like 
I think being able to decide what type of schedule you're going to have and schedule some of those marquee primetime games. And even though this year the, the schedule is not brutal, there's a bunch of like really good teams, but they don't have the Clemson, Alabama, you know, Oklahoma, Ohio State in there. But there's a lot of like nine through 20 type teams that they're going to play right. next year, which is, which is, which is kind of where you want to be because on paper, it's like we had all these great wins when it's just a bunch of like games you should win, but they right. add up. But no, yeah, I mean, you still, you still play like Wisconsin's not going to be bad next year. I think they're actually going to be a pretty good team. I think to what Jack Cohn's their quarterback. You, you play USC that honestly, that could be the game that either defines or makes, makes or breaks. Oh, uh, was it Clay Heldon, the head coach over there? So, I mean, you're not playing any oh, I- last slots and you also play North Carolina in a rematch from last year. And North Carolina to me has the best quarterback in the country right now with Sam Howe. So like, you, do you think I'd you think Sam Howell's better than Brock Purdy? Yes. Would you put him over Brock? Okay. We don't need to elaborate. I just I feel like last year you had the quick, opposite opinion. Phil, quick, quick, quick thing. North Carolina lost. I mean, they lost two running back. They lost, they're losing like probably five thousand yeah. plus yards. In oh yeah, they, they, and like a hundred touchdowns. Also, Jack Cohn from Wisconsin is going to be Notre Dame's starting quarterback. Oh, so that actually Graham was... Graham Graham Mertz Graham. Oh, that's even worse. Okay. I was actually about to ask you that because I remember in Notre Dame, they lost Ian Bogus and asked who their starting quarterback is, but that, I guess, you know, catch on the back on that. <laughs> so let me let me throw you a curveball. I've given you no opportunity to do any research, but this is a hotly debated topic on our podcast between Drake and Dave. I'm sort of in the middle. I'm looking at game number three. How do you feel about Cincinnati? Do you think they're like, you know, like back to like Houston in 2015, 2016, legit group of five? Do you think they're a little overhyped? Give me give me 30 think, seconds about them. I think they're legit. I mean, Luke Fickle's a great coach. Um, we poached their defensive coordinator. So, like, they had an awesome, awesome defense last year. So, we snagged their defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman. Um, obviously, Brian Kelly came from there, too. So, Notre Dame's – and we have their former cornerbacks coach. So, Notre Dame's kind of gotten in the history of poaching their coaches. But I think they are, they are going to be really legit this year. Uh, I think they're – I can't remember the quarterback's name, but um, – Desmond Ritter. Yeah, that dude's a dude. That dude's a stud. Um, he's a gamer. He's a – He's an absolute stud. Um, Notre, one of Notre Dame's, who would be Notre Dame's probably top receiver, transferred there last year, Michael Young. Um, and he had a real solid year last year. And, again, would be a two-year starter for Notre Dame right now. But um, but I think they're legit. I'm pegging that game, actually, is probably the toughest game on the schedule, honestly. Um, just, I mean, you look at you look at North Carolina. I won't believe North, until I see North Carolina replenish what they had last year. I'm not too worried about it. USC again. I don't. I never trust USC under Clay Helton. They always have the talent, but just haven't been able to put it together. Maybe this is the year that they do. But looking at the schedule, you know, I see that the game versus Cincinnati is a, you know, potentially just a top ten matchup. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm excited for it because I think Cincinnati is going to be that like top tier group of five team this year. Are you worried though? I guess because you did snag Marcus Freeman that if he comes to y'all, he won't have the same success because Luke Fickle is a defensive-minded coach and that a lot if a lot of it was more Luke Fickle calling plays or his scheme. No, I think it's I think it's Freeman's scheme. And Freeman's also brings he brings an elite level of recruiting where he's just getting like I think he was there for like four days and they were able to flip a four star in a four star defensive end. So he's just been pumping in, you know, just massive defensive ends. And it's just like he has clearly has a type, which is just like six four really long arm, big frame, who they're going to get filled out. And like, you're going to see the talent pipeline at Notre Dame's, you know, defensive end here in the next couple of years. But even this year, I mean, they're just, they're just so, that's an area where they didn't, they like, they've just been producing dudes in the NFL and haven't had like a down year in a couple of years. Cincinnati's going to be legit. 
good. I like that. So we got two votes legit. We got Dave, whose opinion, like, Dave's an elitist on all things. So, like, you know, his opinion is like a half a vote when it comes to G5, Power 5, because if you give him, like, a way to be an elitist, he'll, boom, he'll hit it. But before we go further, because I do want to talk about, you know, we talked about recruiting. That's a great segue. But I want to let the folks know that if they want to be an elitist, just do what I keep telling y'all. Eat built bars. I crushed one after my workout today. Grab the peanut butter brownie. I wish I could review different flavors for y'all, but look, I I ate chicken and rice um, like every meal of every day for like eight years. I don't vary my taste. I find something that works. I crush it. But if you're not like that, they've got 18 flavors. They have little bites. They have variety packs. Whatever you want, go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKED15. L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. Grab 15% off your order. Get Built Bars now. Thank me later. So, Phil, the reason we brought you on, the, not the only reason, we brought you on the show to hang out with you. Obviously, we're going to bring you on for a season preview, a game. We'll bring you on as much as we possibly can. But I want to talk about the, the person, the guy, who I am the second most excited for. No, I'm not the second most excited for him. Uh, let me put it this way. I found out yesterday Machine Gun Kelly will be in Orlando the day after my birthday. So I'm pumped for that. If you don't know me, I love like early aughts emo music, Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco, all of it. I jam to it. So the new MGK album, I will be very close to the stage for that in skinny jeans. I can't pierce my ears again because I have a real job now, but I'll get magnet earrings. It'll be like 2003 all over again. But the person who I'm most excited for, barring Machine Gun Kelly, to come to Florida now is six foot four, 306 pound Dylan R. Gibbons, Clearwater native, spent the last four years at Notre Dame. He's apparently a pretty capable reserve, didn't start much. But Phil, I want to dive in and I want to start kind of from the middle and go out uh, Silicon Valley style. Can you talk a little bit about, for our listeners that maybe didn't follow Notre Dame so closely, just how good that offensive line was so they don't get worried that he wasn't a starter, and what kind of mentality he's been learning about for four years behind those guys? Yeah, so his situation was a bit unfortunate, um, just in terms of why he wasn't playing. So you guys aren't getting a typical like four-year reserve who couldn't scratch the field. You know, look at last year's offensive line, who wasn't even the best offensive line in the last four years Notre Dame has had. Not, not even really that close. They were, again, a very, very good group. But you're looking at guys, they had three guys drafted in the first, I think, first four rounds this year. So three guys drafted in the first four rounds, a fourth guy signed as a priority free agent, and a returning All-American. So it's like, you know, you're looking at guys who are all going to be NFL, either starters, rotational players on the team. And he was, you know, a guy who was rotating in and consistently seeing the field, mostly in special teams action on punt team, on, um, you know, on punt team, on PA, mm-hmm. rotating in at right guard, you know, when people are bumping over and people got hurt, have a couple starts under his belt, but you're not getting a guy who couldn't scratch the field. And he was actually slated to potentially compete for a starting job this year. So it, it was a bit of a shock for Notre Dame, but you guys are getting a really quality guy who has good length, good size where I think can step in and contribute immediately and would be a guy who could contribute on, you know, most teams around the country, but just couldn't crack the starting lineup at Notre Dame. And I think going home for a change of pace is, is going to be a really good thing for him. 
I mean, that's good to hear because like, one of the concerns I actually was going to ask you was that, I mean, you guys lost, like literally, like you said, four players in your five for your offensive line. Like Liam Eikenberg, Robert Hainsey on both sides of the ball. Our tackle spots were probably some of the best tackles in the country. And then I think you also, like Jared Patterson, I think swinging out from center, I think to guard or tackle as well. If I remember, like I think I was reading one of your um, articles. I was just more worried that it seems like he's kind of running away from competition, but it's kind of nice to hear that he's from Clearwater. He's like going down there for a change of pace. So like, it, it seems that we're, it's good that we're having someone with that kind of mentality in the locker room for a positional, a position group that has been like kind of lacking for the past like five, six years. And the thing is the way that I look at it is he got his degree from Notre Dame. He, you know, he graduated. And when, when a lot of the guys go to Notre Dame, they go there obviously to play football, but to get that coveted degree, you know, like it or not, it's a, it, it carries a lot of weight in the world. And, um, and, you know, he, was looking like he, he was starting with the first unit come in the beginning of spring. But, you know, unfortunately for him, you know, Notre Dame's kind of thing with offensive linemen is they just reload each year. And, you know, I think COVID ended up giving a couple early enrollee freshmen some extra time on their hands to really just focus on their craft. So they got, you know, two of the top offensive linemen coming in as freshmen. And this is going to be the first year probably ever that Notre Dame's going to have two freshmen starting offensive linemen. And, probably at right tackle and right guard. So he got passed up by um, this freshman, Rocco Spindler, whose dad was an NFL player. I think he was a top 100 prospect. Borderline you're named Rocco Spindler. Guy. You have to be like a great offensive lineman, right? There's, yeah, it's either that or Italian mafia. There's no exactly. other in between. Yeah. So he's he's like an absolute beast. These are two guys who are going to be, you know, first or second round draft picks. So him and Blake Fisher came in playing at, you know, a freshman, both 300 pound men who were coming in again, I think he, st- he still would have played and rotated this year. And I wasn't even convinced that Spindler was going to necessarily start the first game, but I think it was clear coming out of the spring that he just said like, listen, this is my, f- this is my fifth year. If I'm going to go somewhere, I want to be the guy. Um, I don't want to go in and start for a couple games. Cause you know, like it or not, I'm sure he has some NFL aspirations. Mm-hmm. Um, all guys, yeah. you know, in this situation do, he probably feels like he hasn't gotten the best chance, not in a way that some guys do when they transfer, which is like the coaches are screwing me. It's just, the people that are around me are all first, second or third round talents. I'm not that, but maybe I'm a day three guy. Maybe I'm a free agent. So if I can go somewhere and start and be kind of the, like come in and be like a leadership type position too, like I can maybe squeeze my way into the NFL or worst case scenario, you know, I start for a full season in college football, which is what I've always dreamed of doing. I think that's absolutely right. I mean, again, you're, when we had you on last year, I think the gap closed a little bit, but the PFF grades for y'all's offensive line, your uh, your offensive line was like a full 15% better than second place. I mean, you effectively had an NFL offensive line because all five of those guys will play on Sunday at some point. So I think when you look at someone like this, it's like, all right, well, again, maybe you have UDFA talent. Well, you have to be able to show that to scouts at a certain point, especially on the offensive line. I don't want to diminish injuries. I know they're people too, but like the reality is half the game as an offensive lineman is staying healthy. So it's like, if you can just get yourself on a roster in the NFL, you're going to have a chance to prove yourself at that position. Now, what I wanted to call out, I really like this. I'm looking at his tweet where he announced it and he says, he's announcing Florida State University. I look forward to helping Coach Norvell and Coach Atkins and my new teammates win football games. I know they're just words, but to me, that's kind of the mentality. Like this guy just played on a team that had a legitimate shot, maybe not at a championship, but at playing for a championship, a team that took Clemson down to the wire, you know, in the regular season. He's not coming here to win three games. And I think just having someone 
look, success doesn't happen by accident. Having someone who's seen what success looks like and what it actually takes to be successful. Dude, at this point, I would take a water boy that has been in Notre Dame's offensive line room coming to us. So I don't know. I don't know much no, about him as a player, but. You, you bring up such a good point. And when you have guys who transfer in, they bring, even if they're not the best guy or blow you away with talent, they bring the habits that come with being the habits and the discipline and the film study, the communication that comes with being on a great team. And so I think combination of him and I'm, you know, not sure what the quarterback situation is going to be there, but having a veteran and Mackenzie Milton in that room too, you know, I think it's, it just brings more veteran leadership of guys who have won, who can say confidently, like, even if they're not the starters, like, Hey, this is what needs to get done because we've been in places that have done this and have produced results. You guys, what have you done here? The last two years, it hasn't worked. We're headed in the right direction, but in order to get there, these are the things that we need to do. And so having some guys who can lead by example, as well as some guys who've been a part of some winning programs themselves, it does go a long way. Yep. I mean, not only that too, like he, from like looking at like his starts, he seems to be like a kind of that sixth lineman, like at an Dame, that swing lineman mentality, which is well, one of me and Max's fraternity bros now, um, Cam Irving, who actually just signed a deal with the uh, with Carolina Panthers that, it's a big thing for us, especially because, like Max said, like injuries do happen on the offensive line. And barring anything, I, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that. One of our players, like just, just Darius Washington, hopefully he comes back with it from his ankle injury. Or Dante Lucas, who I think has shoulder problems as well, or DLT with his knee. So it's really nice to have someone, you know, with that kind of mentality that can be that plug and play. Like, you know, put me somewhere. I'm going to be, I'm going to do great. And I'm going to show these other players how to do be better at their position. So it shows the mentality and the experience is huge for the, for the, uh, for the room. And he should, the thing is too, he should get two years because he has the, the free COVID year. So, mm-hmm. you know, he can go in and, you know, develop his craft even further and be, be like a true part of the team as opposed to like, you know, a, on a one year lease. So I think there's, a, there's a lot of upside. I mean, Florida state, it was a great pickup by them. It happened pretty quickly. And the things that are going to be interesting, it's all get a chance to play against, uh, play against Notre Dame, you know, come, come opening day weekend. And I'm curious if, uh, you know, if he just spills an Dame secrets, which I'm sure he will, he's going to do everything that they can to win. But, you know, how much does that actually impact so much goes into game time? Probably not, but like, well, if your head coach mind. decides not to change your quarterback route signals when one of his subordinates is p- coaching for the other team, it actually can have a huge impact. So hopefully your coaches are, uh, I won't say smarter, but a little more detail oriented than uh, Jimbo Fisher was in that national championship Lord. before we play all in open. I mean, for hopefully for us, they're not. It's just literally the same calls, but I have a feeling they're going to, they're going to be wise to that. No, for sure. So overall, overall, I mean, you guys are getting, a, you guys are getting a player, you're getting a veteran, you're getting a guy who's been in a winning room. So literally zero downside for Florida state going into this. And honestly, Notre, Notre Dame fans collectively, it was all, Hey, we're bummed he's leaving, but it was no bad blood from any single person anywhere. It was all wishing him the best. And I think collectively people were like, he saw the writing on the wall a little bit. So he just, and he wants it and deserves a chance. I think it's, he does deserve that chance. And if he wants to be in the NFL, this was the move that he had to do. And even if he doesn't want to be in the NFL, he's going home to sunny Florida to play in his home state on a big stage. Exactly, man. Look, we have plenty of offensive linemen playing time to offer so it's it, this is what we wanted to hear you guys got the stamped certified seal of approval from billy g his real name's philip go you can find him on twitter philip with one l underscore g from the one foot down it's not just a podcast but one foot down the sb nation outlet 
What I want to ask you, Phil, one last question, because you've seen him move. Like you said, both guys on the ends of your line are both, we're both high draft picks. They're going to play for a very long time on Sunday, but he's six, four. He was listed as a tackle coming out of high school again, because of those guys only played guard for y'all. Do you have any perspective on if he might swing out to tackle or is he really a true guard? I mean, I think he definitely can swing out to tackle. It just depends on where the biggest gaps are. And I think what he'll bring is some flexibility. So even, even this year, he was the, you know, in the spring, he was backing up at center. So he's can really play. I think that's just kind of Notre Dame's MO where they try to get guys to be able to play a bunch of different spots because they like, again, injuries happen on the offensive line where they'd rather be able to shift people around as opposed to just plug in, you know, who, somebody who might be, the 10th best offensive lineman, but it's the second, you know, right tackle. So they love right. to shift guys around. And so he's someone who played guard or tackle, probably not a center. Um, I, I would probably slot him in at guard. Um, just, I think based on the way he moves, I, I want to try and I'll try to find, I think there was a play on a fake punt where he got out in the open and he was moving. I'll try to find that and send it to you guys. I want to say it was against Duke. Okay. I about to say like the one thing that we've, I've been hearing that he's probably going to be playing guard. Cause I think our center, our center spots locked down. We got Mo Smith there. I think DLT is going to, which was the transfer we got from FIU the previous year is at right guard. And I want to say that your boy is either going to play left guard or maybe left tackle. Cause I brought that Dar- Darius Washington is a current left tackle. I know he has some injury issues. I think he also needs to put on a little bit more weight because his rehab didn't go as well as expected. So we might see him on that side of the ball. But I mean, that's good to hear though. Like he can go easy either one, of the, either either the tackle spots or either the guard spots. So we have, it's like we have a real, truly good uh, swing lineman. Yeah, yeah I man. can. I know this. This might not be great for the viewers, but I can show you guys real. If, show sure. you guys real quick. You can give me some screen sharing right here. Yes, oh, I sir. Got there I is. Got you, got you. Oh yeah, host. There is a. Um, Folks, while he's pulling that up, if you want to throw any money on anything like this weekend or any time, go to betonline.ag, promo code locked on. Says it's still disabled. I just dropped it to you guys. If you go, there's a little GIF. He's number 76, and he just gets out in front on a fake punt, and he was like a personal protector, and he is just hauling. Oh, yes. I'm definitely going to be tweeting this out later. And folks, too, I like to I always like to plug our friends again. You need Notre Dame stuff. Go check out uh, one foot down. But if you want to see a better, not a better because this is a great find. But if you want to see a more in-depth film breakdown on him, uh, our friend Trey Roland over at the triple option on YouTube, they actually do about a five minute film breakdown. He started one game. It was against Syracuse. So they do a pretty, you know, I mean, they're using like ESPN's footage and stuff. So they, you know, it's not like. They, there's only so many blocks that are focused on the offensive line for long enough. But one thing I saw about him in that breakdown, but this is totally stolen from them, is, dude, he's he's kind of mean. Like, he's sort of on in run blocking, has that streak of like, I mean, it's it's Syracuse. You can see it on the scoreboard. Y'all are 9-0. and oh, They're 1-9. and nine, And he's blocking these linebackers like it's the national championship, driving the kid into the ground. I'm like, Dylan, buddy. No, Dylon. He's Dylon now. Dylon, Dylon, buddy, Dylon, like, Dylon, the greatest lineman This, this, this Syracuse alive. guy was just like pumped he got to be on TV, and here you are trying to trying to ruin his life. Like, yeah, and that's and again, I think that's that's a mentality that's just in that Notre Dame room. So I think bringing that nastiness to Florida State, especially with a, a team with a pretty unproven offensive line, is just only going to help you guys. If he can piss people off in practice and slap yep. people around, that's only going to help you guys out. Oh, you know who's going to benefit from that a lot, Max. Dante Lucas. Dante Lucas. That's like, I, I think that's. I was literally about to say that. that. 
as kind of like my way to repeat my six, my six thoughts in a seventh way. It's like, that's what y'all got to think about. You, you really think like he's going to let Dante half-ass a rep in practice? No, a kid like this, it's what we all saw DLT bring last year. Yeah, he was at FIU, not Notre Dame, but he knew how to be successful in the position. And, you know, FIU had a decent G5. It's like, again, he's not going to let Dante half-ass anything. Like, he's going to call him out. He's not trying to be Dante's oh, it's, friend. It's, it's not even that, though. I think he's going to be able to help Dante channel, you know, those in-between-the-play, like, sort of antics a little bit. Like, hey, you know, you just, just be a little mean on the line. You know, just drag him down to the ground. Like, do that. It kind of gets you. You kind of still get that sort of, like, you know, I'm trying to dog you out mentality. Oh, yeah. No, here, absolutely. And here's to hoping he's better than the uh, the last Notre Dame transfer into Florida State, Never Golson. Hey, he gave he it wasn't that bad. Strike. I will say, okay, so Everett was probably a smart kid, but I think I like it to me, it was always going to be a horrible decision to transfer into a Jimbo Fisher offense. Like if you're transferring for one year at the quarterback position, I feel like you should think about, is this offense going to be easy to pick up or is it run by a guy who's known for having the most complex offenses in college football? I, I, and I only get five weeks to learn it. I could not agree more. And I felt I, when he made that decision, I, I, I questioned it. And he, cause again, he's one of the more talented, like just pure arm strength vision guys I've, yeah. I've seen play. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I thought he was going to do better than, than he did there. Um, and I think a part of it came, it just, it just ended up not being, not necessarily being the right fit, but in terms of fit, Dylan Gibbons is, is going to be a great fit and you guys got a good one. And, and I wish you the best. And I hope that he has at least two false starts against Notre Dame um, come September. I mean, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they're not. Hopefully, while they're getting COVID vaccines, we can put a little false start vaccine in there too, because God knows our offensive line needs it. But Phil, thanks for joining us tonight, buddy. We cannot wait to have you on for our uh, our season preview series, where we'll be rolling through the ACC, reminiscent of like 2013 FSU, uh, and hopefully, you know, it'll be a precursor for maybe next year or possibly the year after, folks. If you're listening to us on Apple Pods, please follow so you get our newest episodes. Uh, <laughs> my, my calf actually hit my seat lower thing and I dropped. Uh, like, share, subscribe, or follow, sorry, Max Moody 17 on Twitter. Philip with one L underscore G on Twitter. Drake, what's your Twitter handle? I, I All right, my it. Twitter handle is tally underscore underscore Drake on Twitter. Double mine's underscore. Actually, mine's actually also a double underscore. Philip underscore underscore. Do you think I get yeah. Philip one underscore G? What I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Dude, I don't Twitter know. is ridiculous with the handles, man. But how I'm am like, I supposed I'm to not, know it's a double underscore? It's it's. I looking back, double underscore is a tough move, but you know you can only move forward from here. But exactly. you guys appreciate Survive it. Love having advance. it on, and I will be back. Absolutely, brother. Good to see you as always, guys. And for that, I'm Max, Philly G, Drake, and this was Locked On Seminoles. Take care, everybody. Appreciate you uh, spending your Tuesday with us, man. Thanks, my guy. Absolutely.